Welcome to a football show, Thursday edition. He is Zach Lyons back in the saddle. My name is Braden Gall, and we do appreciate all of you who join us each and every Monday and Thursday on this here product. In the YouTube comments, Facebook comments, on Twitter, wherever you may consume us, we do appreciate you guys for hanging out. We've got a lot of stuff to do today, Zach. A lot of stuff to do today. Brought to you by Sinkers and the Kingston Group. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. I'm excited. I'm ready. I listened to the show on Monday. You guys were like wrong on so many levels. So I'm just excited to be able to come back and just say how wrong you guys are. That's my, one of my favorite things. All right. Well, I had a, I was going to start with, we got a lot of stuff to do. Okay. All right. You already derailed the whole thing. Now you got my brain going somewhere else. So on the show today, there are a couple of teams in the SEC that have been dominating recruiting. So we thought we'd have a quick conversation at the end of the show. Like we do about the SEC occasionally on the product about how maybe fans should be tracking recruiting and understanding how recruiting works. We are still six months away from any player signing a letter of intent, which of course everybody mostly knows, but it is worth talking about and talking through. And what does it mean? Uh, as a couple of teams are surging onto the recruiting trail uh, right now in the sec. Uh, of course, you've got a prediction about Deandre Hopkins. So we'll get mm-hmm. to that. Uh, I know exactly our- when he's going to sign. I, well, I know I have two time frames of when he's going to sign. So I know. Okay. So there you Don't go. Zach, down. Zach does know everything. Um, and then uh, we're going to look, one of the main topics today on the show is going to be sort of how and when, and trying to evaluate and judge Rand Carthon's first off season as the general manager for the Tennessee Titans. We're sort of, we've sort of reached not quite, I mean, literally one player away, maybe from the conclusion of the first off season for Rand Carthon. So we can kind of take a look at how fans should be evaluating uh, and judging Rand Carthon uh, in this first offseason stretch. And it kind of speaks to through. general managers just in general. Yep, I like that. I like that. Uh, but first, I want you to react to one of the the, the takes I had, because it sounds like you have multiple reactions. So I'm going to um, get to this. H- hang on, hang on. Let me tell okay. everybody. Well, you asked it. me. I was about to say, don't you want to get to our sponsors? You were about to skip. Uh, no, I want to go sponsors first. Okay. Sinkers Beverages, the Kingston Group. You guys know who they are. Locally owned and operated, award-winning, both of them. And part of the reason we are partnered with both of them is because we use both of them. And if we use both of them, then you should use them too. I shop at Sinkers. I am a member of the in crowd. I got a really cool allocation email saying, hey, look, Braden, we got this fancy new bottle of Heaven Hill Barrel Bond. And I'm like, oh, that sounds great. And I ran up and got it. But I am I got it only because I was part of the in crowd. So make sure you sign up. You can do it online. Bluegrass, of course, up in Hendersonville as well. Again, award-winning, locally-owned shop for decades in nashville sinkers beverages bluegrass as well and the kingston group buildkg.com you guys know the name if you are looking to buy a house sell a house or renovate a house don't do it before you talk to the kingston group just remember the name you don't have to know it every single day we don't expect everyone to be doing large renovations to their house every day but you need to know the name if and when that situation does arise in your life so kingston group sinkers go check them out all right, so I had one take I wanted to run by you. Okay. And then you just started the show with, uh, you were just wrong about everything, which part was part of the fun of not having you around. I'm going to... Well, I'm gonna, it, I'm I mean, it was just lie. really the discussion around the best case scenario. All right, so you start there, and then I'm going to lay out what I thought was maybe the hottest of the hot takes and maybe the more important uh, uh, take than, than the best case. But it sounds like Easton, for those that didn't listen, go listen to Monday show, Easton Freeze filled in. Easton says highest best case scenario is essentially getting to a Super Bowl. I said maybe AFC championship game. I was clearly a notch or two below. You have largely, Zach, been higher on this team than I have been. So 
we were too low, too high. Give us your response. You were both too high, uh, especially Easton. There is there is zero. The, this fallacy. There's a fallacy that sir, that Easton has clung to because there is a mathematical. Everybody's equal, right? Everybody's zero zero when they reach the playoffs. Here's the problem with that. The the number one seed has won over 53% of the time in Super Bowls. The number two seed is 21.3% of the time winning in Super Bowls. That's, that's over about 70, it's about 75 if my math is correct. Yeah. That, I, mean, I mean, this idea that everybody's created equal, no. Two one seeds just went in. The, the five seed and the six seed, this idea that the five seed and six seed, that underdogs can just win all the time, four teams. Five and six seed to combine together. Obviously, nobody from the seventh and eighth seed has done it. And then the fourth seed is probably your highest, which is where the Titans would be, and that's barely over twelve percent. So this just because you make it, oh, you have a really good chance of uh, going to the Super Bowl. No, you don't even have a good chance of winning it. This so reason. Give me those. Give reason. me those. No, sorry. Give me those numbers again. You're saying make the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl? The Super four. Bowl. So, okay. Yes. So, I mean, like his high was like, well, just because you make it to the playoffs, everybody's O and O. Everybody has almost, you know, you have a really high chance of making it. No, not really. I mean, you don't even have a high chance of just making it to the Super Bowl, let alone you're definitely not going to win it. So, this, so, that was totally. Well, and let me... you guys, hold on. You guys said that I would probably agree with Easton, and I totally. Do not agree with Easton. Well, and I, I think the way you're wording it, I would disagree. That's how we were discussing it. When you say high probability, I think that's exactly what Easton said. Easton well, maybe said I'm... that if you get into the playoffs, that everybody pretty much has an equal chance. And that's mathematically, technically, that is true. But when you actually look at the data, it's not true. Like if you're looking at just straight, like one plus one equals two. Sure. But if you're using actual equations, <laughs> no. Welcome to the show, Easton. Um, no, he listen, I, I did not take it to be high probability or yes, they have a great chance. It's just that once you get in, anything can happen. That's that's how I've always looked at it. But I, that's not true. Well, but it's, it is mathematically it is. not true. Like, like I just well, told you, it's not nothing. Dude, can, okay, not that's everything fine. Can just that's, okay, that's fine. I understand math, but the Titans also just like did the exact thing that we are talking about three years ago. And they I didn't did, make I, it to the Super Bowl. I did not say they were going to the Super Bowl. Easton, I didn't did, say I'm disagreeing with Easton in this part of the show. I have not okay. gotten to you. All right. Yet. We'll get, to, we'll get to, Correct. <laughs> I am disagreeing <laughs> with Easton's idea that anything can just happen because guess what? Anything can't just happen. Well, and I, I, I would like to think that again, go listen to the show. You guys can judge for yourself. Not I'd everybody like to, in the dance has a chance. That's a fallacy. I, I said to him, I, I don't agree that they can do that. I don't think they have yeah. the talent to go that deep. I don't think they have the talent to go that to win uh, three of those games. It's the same thing I say about college football all the time. There's a there's 50 teams that can make the playoff. There's only like three that can win the two games right. in the playoff. And that's sort of where I think the Titans fall in this is that I think they are just as likely to make the playoffs as Jacksonville or pick another good team in the AFC. But do they have the ability and the talent to run three or four? I think best case scenario is you maybe rattle off two wins. Maybe. Maybe if you're lucky. And I you get disagree a third. with that. I don't even think that's their best case scenario. I think it's I think your best case scenario for this Tennessee Titans team, if everything goes right for this team, those three things you guys said, which you guys left off the offensive line, which I thought was really weird. So no, another no, thing that no, you guys No, it's were a part no. Y young 
rookie and youth development and coaching staff is tied directly to the offensive line. The offensive line is its own category. Like it, okay. it right. is totally deserves its own category after the mess that was last year. It deserves its own category. It's like pass catchers and wide receivers and all that kind of stuff. All right. Like, go ahead. Well, Easton says, quote, of course, not everybody has the same chance. The higher seed have advantages, but everybody in the dance has a chance. Listen, I don't even everybody have time to go back and check. The I mean, seventh and eighth seed have zero chances right now. Zero percent chance a seven or eight seed makes it to the to the Super Bowl, or even let alone wins one. Okay, so not everybody has a chance. All right, Easton, thank you for chiming in. We do appreciate it. I was expecting this to happen, which I'm a fan of. Uh, but mostly, tell me where what, did you have more about where I was wrong about? Yeah, I mean they're scenario? they're they're listen. The best case scenario for this team is winning one playoff game. That is their best case scenario. This is a team that is severely limited. This isn't a team that gets, oh, happy-go-lucky. They get in and, you know, best-case scenario, they're going to rattle off a few wins. No, best-case scenario, they win one game. That is the uh, best-case scenario. I, I mean, I if everything is perfect, I think you're, you're getting into that second game and going like, I think my point was is that once you get into that second game on the road against XYZ good team, probably it's over. It's Cincinnati, done. Kansas City, Buffalo. Is it possible? Is it 50 nah. 50? Probably not. It's probably 70 nah. 30, but you could do it. We've seen him do it before. It's, it's like 90 10. I mean, this okay, is a totally different team than this 2020 team. This is a, a totally different team. Like yeah, that, no. that 2020 run to me is the uh, uh, an extreme outlier for the last few years of NFL playoffs. You you mean so 2020 postseason 2019 yeah. season. Yeah, I got you. Um yeah, yeah, whenever yeah. they went to the championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, 29 so the 2020 team I yeah. think was uh, hosted the Ravens and got beat at home uh, right. in, the, in their first playoff game. Now listen, that that I think that's totally fine. I have no arg- I mean, you're not going to I'm not going to stand on the table and fight for one win versus two wins being their best case scenario. I think the argument I was that I was and he were maybe having and you're having is like, what is best case scenario? Well, a playoff bid, maybe a win, maybe a second, depending on what you think. But that's about it. Not worth yelling about. And then I settled on later, which is the one I really wanted to ask you about, because I wanted I wanted you to tell me if this truly is the best case scenario. And, and that is if for Ryan Tannehill to eat like for this team to be sort of out of it, maybe 500, maybe Tannehill's injured, maybe he's not. But that around game 12 or 13, you get, for whatever reason, Will Levis is now your starting quarterback. He wins you three out of five. He wins you four out of six, whatever the number is. You see enough to know that he's the future and you get a home playoff game. It's it's You get both because I think Tannehill clearly gives him the best chance to make the playoffs. I think Levis is clearly the future. So what's the, what's the perfect scenario? Isn't a bridge? Isn't it a combination of those two things where – you still get the home playoff game, which is reaching the upside that you think they have, while also maybe learning more about your future and finding the, the guy you think could be your starting quarterback for 10 years. To me, that is actually the best possible case scenario for the Tennessee Titans. And I get, I guess that's a really, really small margin of, so of possibility. In your scenario, he's throwing, I guess, enough to get like 200 yards, a few touchdowns every game, you know, may, maybe like one or two touchdowns in this offense, but like, he he's doing the equal amount of what Ryan Tannehill does in his absence. Do, do you remember Ben? So Ben Roethlisberger, the first year they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, they the Steelers won the Super Bowl in spite of Ben Roethlisberger the first year, 
And then the second time they won it, they won it because of Ben Roethlisberger, right? Two very different ways that they were using him in that offense. I do not think that in any scenario, Will Levis is the reason they are winning games because he's chucking it around 48 times a game. That's not what I, I, I'm, I'm more along the lines of what you're saying, which is he comes in, he shows enough to be a starter. He manages the game. He doesn't turn the ball over. He does what he's asked to do within the confines of the offense, but shows just enough to prove that he can handle the game, that he's a professional starting quarterback and that he's ready to go to be week one starter next year. And oh, by the way, maybe you get a home playoff game out of the deal. That, that's okay. So they when they win the Super Bowl, it wasn't his rookie year. It was oh what six? I think oh six was that the year that no, they 05. won oh five oh five. So they they that was the second year they won. He was so, not but the first a good year they made it. They lost to the championship game in the first year, so they made it all the way through. He um let's see what did he average uh roughly? He averaged one hundred eighty seven point two yards per game. 17 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, over 13 games started. Okay, so 30 sacks in those games. He was yeah. He I, was guess, I guess I guess so that, you know. Mm. He was not great that season. Yeah. He was not a good yeah, quarterback. he was not great. But, man, that's that's a lofty that's a lofty expectations. Well, it's, for, for, it's for mostly um, – it's just the thing that came into mind when you were kind of yeah. describing how he was going to play in this stretch in my head. It's like the thing that comes to mind is – the Steelers winning yeah. around Ben, not because of Ben, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I could see that. The yeah, best case scenario for that would yeah, I, I would probably be on board with that that particular take. I, I because really I wrote at stackingtheinbox.com that was out today was about that you can figure out during this glow up what Will Levis is without Will Levis playing. But if Will Levis plays and gets valuable game experience and you still get to the playoffs, you would like a playoff win out of Will Levis to really give you hope because you don't want to lose because of Will Levis. Because if you lose because of Will Levis in the playoffs, like your best case scenario has to end up with a win in the playoffs. Cause if you win, if you lose in the second game, I'm not too upset about that. Right. Like you got one playoff win, you know, I, I see what you're saying. I think if I'm a tight, like if he fan, goes in and throws two intercept game, losing interceptions in the first round of the playoffs, this, this is a fan base will become unglued, but, so, be but, I, but I, I, I agree with you. They would, I think yeah. that's wrong though. I think what, what you have to look at the 10,000 foot view and the 10 year view of it, not the one game view of it. And while it may feel like Ryan Tannehill, the fact that he could do it within the first month, two months of playing in the NFL as a starter to me would be a sign of significant potential growth in the future. And while that sucks in the moment, and I agree with you, Twitter would be an absolute dumpster fire at that moment. I, to me, you step back from that after letting the, the intensity of the loss, maybe the sting wear off and you go, well, what did we really learn? We learned that Will Levis is our starting quarterback next year. Full stop. Ryan Tannehill's out. Levis is the guy. He showed us but enough to win really games. not really a clear answer on the franchise guy. I, I yeah. think that takes – this is going to go into our Rand yeah. Carthon conversation. I think that takes time. That takes years to figure out. Like, Jordan Love has been at the Packers for two years. They have no fucking clue whether or not he's going to be any good or not. Like, it, I mean, there's very few Zach Wilsons out there where you just, yeah. like, know within, like, a year – Clearly not the guy. Like it just takes time sometimes to figure those that out or not. I would be excited if Will Levis wins three out of five and they somehow win the division on the last game of the season, 
and they get into a playoff, win or lose, I'm best ecstatic case scenario, if I'm a Titans fan. Here's my, here's my overarching best-case scenario for this team, regardless of what they do in the playoffs. The last game versus Jaguars does not matter. I am so sick of yeah. these, these playoff chances for the Tennessee Titans coming down to like the last the last uh, game of the year. I, I just want to be I want to be done by then. And Blaine Gabbard is starting yeah. instead of Marcus Mariota. Is that who started instead of Marcus? Who yeah. started that year? Yeah, it was, it was Blaine. Blaine Gabbard. Okay, that was versus um, the Colts. It was against the Colts. Yeah, they all they've had some big ones against the Texans in the final yeah. week. Like it's always it's always full of, of it. just all <laughs> all types of drama. And we we uh, I guess eighteen now. Um, okay, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because I sort of mentally stumbled on what I thought was okay Ryan Tannehill is the best for this team Will Levis is the future well what's the best combination of the two well it's to make the playoffs and to have Will Levis get experience win or lose that's I how think I if figured. you're viewing it through the Titans eyes they I think if you hooked them up to a lie detector they would say we want Ryan Tannehill to play all year and we want to see what Will Levis does behind the scenes like we want yeah. to be able to see enough yeah. what Will Levis and they can they they can absolutely know that I would agree with both of those things. I, I, I'm okay with that. Uh, all right, so let's get into your DeAndre Hopkins decision. Of course, he is now, according to reports, uh, uh, again, football show brought to you by Sinker's Beverages and the Kingston Group. Remember those two names. DeAndre Hopkins mulling offers right now, according to reports, by the, both the Titans and the Patriots. He will make a decision when, Zach Lyons, based on you, science. You got two time frames. Okay, because this is what happens in the life of media, especially uh, typically me. Because when the Julio Jones broke news broke, I was here at this house. We were in the process of doing some remodeling work before we moved in. Hands filled up with, you know, putting in some electric electrical outlets and lights and all this stuff. So I didn't check, you know, I didn't have my phone on me to check all the time. So you got two two options for this week. So roughly around 1.30 p.m. on Sunday, all the way to 8.30 p.m. while I'm at visitation, not being able to check my phone like a good husband whose who's, uh, wife's grandmother just died. Uh, so we got that way, time frame. So that's By Sunday. the way, good, yeah. good, good husbanding there. Yes. Put, put so, the fucking phone away more often, people. Yeah. Sunday, okay. June 25th, between 1.30 p.m. and uh, roughly probably 8.30 p.m. By, t- by the time, you know, it's all said and done. Or the funeral services on Monday, June 26th, starting at 2 p.m. with no end time listed, which means that there's the funeral service, then there's the grave visit, I am assuming, in this situation, and then going to the uh, in-laws, families, houses, and everything up there. So those are your chances that DeAndre Hopkins is for sure going to sign during one of those times when I cannot react to it. Do I have permission to laugh at you? Yeah, I don't care. Okay, that's, that's ridiculous, but I love it. I love it. Yeah. I just, you know, it's a very serious topic. I don't want to laugh and oh, no, in the no. middle of. Listen, sometimes... there's no kind of joking off limits for me. I've been okay. reading this All book, right. but that kind of reinforces that that sometimes the worst stuff is stuff you should joke about. And yep. I am very like, my wife was asking where, what do you want to do for your funeral? We should probably, you know, kind of talk about arrangements and stuff. I'm like, well, I know I'm dying soon, but you know. I don't fucking care. I'm dead. I don't care what the fuck you guys do. (laughs) I I will say um, I was living next to uh, like an old black church uh, for a couple of years. And the funerals on Sunday, it was almost always Sunday mornings. They would come out in the procession. They'd get into the hearse and it would be very peaceful and very somber. And as soon as that car left, it was a party. And like, I'm like, you know what? Y'all don't be quick. If I, if I, at my funeral be just party, just have a great time. 
uh, laugh and joke and make each other smile and what whatever. Like don't don't sit like, around. I'm probably and, I'm get, probably just gonna say just get me cremated and just dump my. You can I'm good with you that. You could listen. You could throw it in the trash. I am dead. I will never know what you did <laughs> at, at at Oracle.com Stadium, just right there yeah. on the fifty yard line. Uh, yeah, wherever uh, wherever uh, it's at. I don't even or, care. Oracle, uh, Oracle.com stadium. And uh, then, okay. Uh, so, De- so DeAndre like, Hopkins is going to announce yeah. on Sunday or Monday then there you Sunday go. or Monday. I'm telling you, because at this point, no other team is even sniffing around the fact that they want DeAndre Hopkins. So he is, this is his second in the last week, his second effort to try to generate a third interest. Cause this is clearly from the agent, right? Cause they're mulling yep. over offers yep. from both teams. And uh, Mike Girardi said that uh, they're expecting, you know, maybe a third team to jump into the mix and all that stuff, you know, just in case a wide receiver room is disliked by a team or an injury happens or something like this is a guy that knows his his market's not as hot as he thought it was. I mean, this is a last ditch effort. So I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it Sunday or Monday when I'm not near my phone to to me. I think through why the Patriots would invest in him. And there's only like, to me, the only option is to try to prove to their fans that they are still putting in the effort and that they are, they think that maybe they're a wild card team with them. Uh, They are in the toughest division, maybe in all of football. I, I don't honestly see Belichick offering a lot of money to a player that largely doesn't help them all that much in terms of playoff status, which means the offer might be low, which means the Titans might have the best offer, which means they're floating the idea so that they can get the best possible offer from one of these teams that does have a championship situation, i.e. Buffalo or Kansas city. I don't think either team's in. And I don't think, and I don't think they are. And so I I don't think they should be in. If you're like, really, because you know, Stefan Diggs is already complaining about, not getting enough targets, which is mind warping to me because he gets a lot of targets in that offense. But apparently there's uh, Harry Douglas was on Jason Fitz's. Uh, they, they do a show together, Jason Fitz and Harry Douglas. And Harry Douglas pulled like a handfuls of clips where Stefan Diggs is NFL open in his mind and not even being looked at by Josh Allen because of the play designed by Ken Dorsey. Like bringing in DeAndre Hopkins does not help any of that. Which, and th- but, that's more money you have to spend, by the way. And then over at Kansas City, they just went without DeAndre Hopkins. Why spend money yeah. and and spend cash when they need cash for Chris Jones? Like none of this just none of these other options just don't make sense. Thinking through like I don't think Buffalo does. I think Kansas yeah. City, I could see them saying, look, we got we cash. They already got a lot of in cash know, in this year. So I know. You know. For, forget forgetting the logistics of it, just strategically, I could see them saying, look, we're the champions and we have a little bit of a weakness here. Let's let's go ahead and fill that hole and, and go ahead and make ourselves. I mean, favorite. as long as you got no, Patrick they, they Mahomes, right? Like, I, I mean, you got Patrick I, Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and now Isaiah Pacheco. I don't know. I mean, like, I just don't see the way that they have approached the wide receiver position in general. And the way they yep. detail it behind the scenes is that they feel that they can win on offense as long as Patrick Mahomes is healthy. And yep. that's all that matters. And really, they can win without Patrick Mahomes being healthy. So to me, I will say this about the Patriots. Scott Zolak, who is a crazy man, color commentator for the New England Patriots. Okay, He is also a former quarterback. So he works for the team. He's a former quarterback of the team. He w- he said on his show, his radio show, 
It's kind of like if Jim Wyatt had a radio show, right? Like right. that's what right. this is. Uh, you can maybe liken it to Coach Mack going on the behind the scenes, but I don't know if Coach Mack's really like involved. Scott Zolek's been there for so long. I think he's like right. legit involved in everything. He said that they're he he left the building. He's not going to be a New England Patriot. He was defensive about it, and they said, "Well, why do you think Tennessee's going to be in?" Yes, I could see him going to Tennessee, but he left the building at Tennessee. He goes. He left the building in New England. He's not going to New England. And they go, does that mean you heard something? Silence. And all he's and it like a good five second, you know, good two beats of silence. And he goes, he left the building. He's not signing with the, Interesting. With the New England Patriots. That's normally Just, not allowed. Like that would be like Mike Keith saying something, honestly. Yes. Yeah. So like that's not normally allowed. It's like the it's like the Jim Wyatt mailbag where he's like, yeah, I don't expect Nate Davis to be back. And we're yeah. like, whoa, that was direct um, from a guy yep. who's inside the building. Uh, okay, well, listen, I I do think that if it's just the Patriots and the Titans, then the Titans have a far better chance to win their division, a far better chance to make the playoffs, and need DeAndre Hopkins in a bigger way. And therefore, I don't think it would be very difficult for them to outbid New England, honestly. DeAndre just- Hopkins has not changed my best case scenario, by the way. I I don't necess- I don't really disagree with you on that. Yeah. Uh, Unless again, unless the offense is just the the offensive coordinator and the offensive line and the receivers and everything happens, all of a sudden m- maybe they're a more dynamic offense. But that that is again. I very also try to keep thinking. my realistic expectations and my best case e- expectations kind of close because I don't because everybody's best case scenario right is like every draft pick. Oh well, they're going to be an all pro and win is winning a Super Bowl. Or the worst case scenario is that they're a bust. I mean like. That's pretty much everybody how they handle best case, worst case. So I try to already go. Yeah, like, I don't. Yeah, it's just right there. Like to me, the realistic expectations: this team's going to win division and lose in the playoffs. Like that is the that is the realistic scenario. Worst case scenario is like everybody gets injured and again, and they are again. I think worst case scenario to me is a team that goes seven or eight, seven or eight wins like they did this year. Uh, to me, a, a, an alternate best case scenario is that they they put in Malik Willis, he sucks. They put in Will Levis, he sucks. Ryan Tannehill is injured, and they're like number two overall pick. That's actually, I know that's that's a good case scenario to be in. Just it's saying, not, it, well, it's worst, but it's not the worst. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, I I I feel very differently about those definitions, but we're arguing semantics at that point. Yeah. I think I think best case is way up at the top. I think worst case is way at the bottom. And I think reality is directly in the middle, which is where my yeah. prediction is going to lie when we get to August and we actually are making predictions on the team. And I say, I think they're going to be an eight and nine team. That is not their best case scenario in my mind. So like I, I am baking into my prediction, all of the things that I think could, could go wrong and some of the things that could go right. And you just, that the beauty of the NFL is that if everything does go right, you can be very good. And if everything goes wrong, you can be really bad. Like that's the whole point of the league. It is the most socialist Sport in all of American history, of course, uh, ironically. They're due uh, for an injury. Uh, they are. Uh, good luck yeah. turn here. And the Jaguars are due for an injury bad luck turn. Just throwing yeah. it out there. There you go. That's 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 uh, regression to the mean, as they say. Yeah. Uh, football show brought to you by Sinkers Beverages in East Nashville. Sign up for the in crowd, please. Go check out their store. They got great folks over there. They got a huge beer cooler, walk-in beer cooler, t- tons of wine, tons of liquor. Lots of cool mixers, all these new fancy drinks that you put in cans with liquor and 
You got a gin drink in there called the long drink, I think, that we we had on our trip to Kentucky that was surprisingly refreshing and didn't taste like alcohol at all, which is dangerous. Uh, and then of course, I saw King- those this week, uh, last weekend up in Detroit somewhere. I, I can't remember where we were, but uh, oh, I think we we're at the Martini Bar when we just got there, which was one of the worst experiences of the trip. So they had a gin in a can at a Martini Bar. They did. They did. Uh, I saw it and I told Lauren, I said those are really, really good. It's way too dangerously good. Uh, so so go check them out. They got lots of cool stuff in there. Always new stuff. Um, Kingston Group, buildkg.com is the website. Just remember that name. That's all you need to do. Just remember the name. Talk to them, uh, of course, before you make any big decisions about your house. All right. Evaluating Rand Carthon. Outside of DeAndre Hopkins. Should we put up a poll? A, B, C, or D? <laughs> what grade it. would you give them? God damn it. Um, I think the proper question is, like, the short-term evaluation of Rand Carthon and the long-term evaluation of Rand Carthon. There are two different ways to look at this, and I think it's okay to have different expectations for, for each of those different scenarios. I certainly think you can say X, Y, or Z about the short-term, about this first offseason, and we can limit it to that expectation. I also think there are huge missing question marks inside of that short-term expectation evaluation. There's a lot of words there. That don't apply until much further down the road. Uh, namely the the quarterback he drafted in the second round. So I, I guess my first question to you is how should people in your mind be evaluating Rand Carthon at this stage of his first offseason? Okay, so he he sort of built a staff and now he's built even more of a staff after the draft and after free agency. So we're kind of seeing now that he's kind of got his people in there. I don't think these scouting departments are quite complete. We may never know if they are or not, but we just have to assume after this season at some point, it's just complete. Who they got is who they got. But he's been adding people. So I look at it in three different categories that you look at for a general manager, but they all have different timelines. So I look at it as building a staff, free agency, and the draft. Those are your three things. I think he's done really well building a staff. Now, how that staff works is that he has built full. We won't know till the end of next season how that staff looks and how that staff works. And we start gleaning at the end of the 2024 into 2025 what this is. For free agency, you have to look at the players that he got on this particular free agency class. And you look at, did they fill correct positions? Were they the right contract? And how do they perform? And we won't know that until after this year because most of these guys are on one-year contracts. So that's very important. If these guys were on two or three years, maybe you get a little bit of leeway. I think Arden Keys is one of the few on multiple ones. In the draft class, you have to really wait till the beginning of 2026 before you can really evaluate there's going to be a few people here like you're going to know real quick if will levis is really bad but jalen duncan could be and colton dow could be you may have to wait till after 2025 i I always give a two or three year leeway because then you also in that third year you're talking about fifth year options who's going to get a second contract so like that will tell you what his draft class was in the scheme of things by then. Like, I feel like you get a very clear picture. You can, you can make sweeping judgments. Like we've made yeah, judgments yeah. like Malik Willis, right. Or Isaiah Wilson, like it, those extreme cases where you see them play or you don't ever see them, see the field, <laughs> you know, those, those cases you can make those judgments on. I, I think, so I think it's, 
I think you're right. I think free agency, you can evaluate within the first six games, 12 games, one year. I think the draft class is more like a two-year proposition, but Will Levis could be more of a three-year proposition. I do think Ed Henry makes a great point about this. Isn't handling media PR another criteria? Hell I do no. think I Well, I think... <laughs> I don't because, think it's... Your all's feelings are not involved. No, th- that part I think is right, but it, how that may affect a relationship with a player, which right now it has not necessarily that we know of. It might have. We don't know. Uh, I think most of these guys that have been involved in sort of the public conversations have spoken very highly of Rand. So from a personal well, yeah, standpoint, from a, from a player perspective, I agree with you player relations. I agree with you, but and maybe it, that's what Ed Henry's asking. I, I think that as media and dealing with the fans. No, like to me, media. to me, the only negative, like I think he saw the needs that we all thought that they had. They addressed him pretty aggressively. Except he for was, he, a really he, big one, even though he's well, trying right now, but right, that's true. And and again, we'll find out what that relates to never, I guess. I, I think he had a plan that he executed. Whether yeah. we like that plan or not is is mm-hmm. remains to be seen. We can't evaluate it right away, but he fixed the offensive line first. And I still think that's a better thing to fix than the receiving core when you have a, a bunch of young receivers that may be very talented. So I, I think I, I think fixing the O-line first was the better strategy, and he did that. Maybe he reached at 11. Maybe he overspent on Dillard. You can go down the list. But like he addressed the need that I thought was more important first. I like that. I like what he's done in modernizing the front office in terms of bringing in the types of people he's bringing in. I think that's all stuff I would put a check mark by. Uh, potentially replacing Ryan Tannehill is a huge question mark. It could be three check marks and define his entire career. It could be a giant X and define his entire career. That one we're just not going to know about. I, I think one of the only things that I think is already definitively a could have done that better is how he has handled information in, in and out of the press. I think that is the only area I'd say, I think you kind of made a little bit of a mistake there. I think you probably could have handled that better. But on the grand scheme of things that you're talking about, that you're evaluating him on, it is at the bottom. It's at the bottom of the list because is right now all's well that ends. I personally well, well wouldn't even well. put it on the list, but I mean, I because I don't care. I mean, I do care. I mean, obviously, I want all the information, right? Like, obviously, as as a guy who talks about it, writes about it, thinks about it all the time, I want all the information. But at the end of the day, uh, in fact, I believe I had this conversation. With uh, Robbie Rexroad and Steve Lehman, and I Robbie think, uh, Robbie Rexroad, who's that? Oh, not Robbie Rex. Sorry, Rob. I was thinking Robbie and Rexroad. <laughs> That's an interesting uh, individual. Yeah, uh, but uh, Robbie and I believe it was Steve Lehman. And I, but I think it may have been someone else who was at News Channel Five at the time because I feel like I'm still blocked by them. But. Steve Lehman. That's why I don't think it was Steve Lehman, but it was someone else that was in the news game at the time, back when Mike Vrabel was hired. And they, both of these guys, pretty much said, you know, this is going to be a really good thing I should need to bring up and bring back on Twitter, but I don't want to get blocked again because I think I got blocked by both guys eventually. But they argued with me and Titans film room, Justin Graver at the time, they said that, well, Mike Vrabel sucks talking to the media. This is back when he was first hired, so he's probably not going to be a good coach. And he, so to me, that, this does not tie. The, this this idea of dealing with the media does not tie. Now, I, the, like Ed Henry saying, it's very naive to think player relations won't get leaked to the, to the media and stay in, stays in-house with stupid. 
I think that's just what he wants. And and that's his that is going to be his coach better play better, right? We're not discussing things in the media. We are not, I am not gonna stand in front of what he is saying is that I, Mike Vrabel, and whoever the player is is not gonna stand in front of a microphone to you guys and tell you what is going on. Does not mean things are aren't going to get leaked, but that's what he's saying. He's not we're right. not going to be the ones to discuss this well, out in public. Was the press conference that you're talking that you got in that argument about um was oh, that God. the very herbal was that herbal? Was that the very early one where Vrabel was talking about like was it in his first training camp or something or his oh, second shit. training camp where he was talking about I I think I I think I remember cuz I think I was on the air when it happened when I had to be like, "Oh, I don't think that that makes no sense. Just tell us what, just answer the question, dude. I think it was about, was it about defensive backs or something not being prepared or. I oh, can't this was, it, this was in the summer. Like this was, this right. was a very early definitive, like thing. That's what I, um, I, I want to say. It was like July or August of like his first or second year. And it was very much about like, I, I want to say it was about defensive backs or something or specialty. It was, for some reason, there's a time where I was still on the air at one Oh two five. And I was, I remember thinking like, so that was oh, the, it was that, Steve Lehman, it looks like. Like, that was this, d- the dumbest thing he could have said. There's no reason for him to do that. And, of course, he's learned how to massage his message since then, and it doesn't really affect the team. So, I, you can – you're it was a first-time head. Uh, it was in May. Titans – and this is a based off of Music City Miracles thing. Titans media beef with Vrabel's UDFA policy says a lot. And that's, this started from there. Um, I said this is a, the, the, my tweet that initially started, but there's all kinds of stuff. But they've unblocked me since, so uh, nice. welcome back. You know, you know, it is it's what a, it is. And I, and I enjoy Robbie and, and Rex Road, obviously, and all that stuff. But it says this is everything. This is a perfect encapsulation of everything I've had. Many fan or I and many fans have been saying for the last 24 hours. Bravo. Um, but this is what we were trying. This is what I guess we were talking about. But it was, it was. I, I can't remember, but there's some. You're UDFA saying you're policy. saying it was like you're saying it was like a month ago. No, back in May when he first got hired. I was gonna and say there was there was said, no. Let me say one thing. There was no Robbie and Rex Road. It was it was Braden. I know. Fitz. Okay. okay. Yeah. So that, fucking clear. I'm saying that. I just enjoy Robbie and Rex Road now. They, That's they why do. I'm, they're I'm they're lovely people. Yeah. They're lovely. Yeah, grown this men. has nothing to do. I was talking to Robbie and Steve with Justin Graver on one. I guess he didn't give access to you guys to undrafted free agents. Which is the most ridiculous thing to get mad over, by the way, because they're undrafted free agents. That's not but the it, one I. That's not the one I was remembering. I'm gonna have to go know, back and but dig there up. There was the a one lot because, like, Vrabel did not hit it off with you guys, and guess what? Didn't it fucking affect his performance on the field at all. So that's that's why I feel like what he says. It's more about what he does and what he says yeah. to me. Now, let's he comes, you know, Frank Cartha comes out and is in like support of murdering dogs and you know beheading giraffes and <laughs> Jesus. You know, and he decides that he's going to send players down to the Titanic to scope it out. Then I'm going to have concerns about it. <laughs> but it's the definition of, apparently it's the definition of woke to, to go down yeah. and search for the. Oh Titanic. yeah, that was a weird. Um, weird no, thing. I first of all just picture beheading a giraffe for a second. Just yeah. where do you where do you cut it? Like honestly, like where do you well, cut it at the top? You cut it on your reach, right? Neck, so like it's like, probably going to be like neck and chest. You know, unless you're going to right. Like which a in which truck. case in which case you've got a large long neck there to take care of like you need an 18 yeah. wheeler to get that sucker out of there um uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna try to cover up the evidence of course. no i mean obviously if you're gonna be headed giraffe you just leave it in the street as a message to the other giraffes <laughs> i can't even i can't i can't with you sometimes um do i think he uh, could have handled like negotiations better likely like do you really ask 
you know, Kevin Byer take a pay cut? Like, is that really yeah, the right, way? Right, right. I mean, it makes sense, but is that really your first? And because now all everybody's like, yeah, that's all. But, I'm like, saying. as but, far as how he talks or what he says in the media, doesn't really bother me too much. It doesn't. Other, it doesn't to me scream like that. He's a bad GM, I guess. No, I don't think there is any way any human being can definitively say he is a good or bad GM today. Oh yeah, I, I think given, no I, given grades is ridiculous. I, I guess I think I responded to Buck's uh, poll that I was making fun of. I for incomplete because there's just not enough data. There's and zero. It's really, and, there's and zero to be data. honest, you're to be honest, judging someone on their first year as a predictor for future success in in other years doesn't make sense either, right? Like, I mean. It, it, you got to almost look at it at the end of the year exit interview. Now we're on to the next year. To to me, it is about the the style of the approach, not the eventual outcomes yet. Because right now there is zero football games to judge him on. Zero fucking games. Zero. So there is no data. What you can do is you can say I like the direction or the plan or the strategy, and then and then you have to hold yourself accountable for that in the future. Because if you say I love the fact that Rand Carthon is a player's GM that he's gone with a bunch of analytics guys and that he's a player's GM. That's great right now. But what happens if this team gets soft, which is not likely under Mike Rabel, but if it gets soft and all of a sudden it's too lovey-dovey and we go back to some like hardcore GM, well then that will have been the wrong strategy. So we we can't, to me, it's all about what, what do you want this team to do? We wanted to modernize the front office. Check. He's done that. We wanted to modernize the offense with new personnel and new people in new positions. He and Mike Rabel have done all of that. They need to fix the offensive line. They've tried that. We'll find out by weeks, probably four or five, whether or not that's worked or not. And so it's all about this. You can only judge the strategies at this point. You can't say that was right or wrong. You can't say, like, there's nothing you can say. Like, there's zero games. There's no way to judge him other than, like, I agree with the strategy. I disagree with the strategy. Not drafting a wide receiver. Fine. Disagree with that strategy? That's totally acceptable. I... I I applaud you if you think that's the wrong strategy. I probably agree with you, and we'll find out if it was the right risk or not. You're right. That's it. Yep. There you go. It's and if like, he gets DeAndre like, Hopkins, it's an A, yeah. like I says. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, yeah, if he gets him, it's it's good, right? I mean, that's just another feather in the cap, but, you know, everybody's going to remember or forget that they wanted the Titans to sign D-Hop, and if D-Hop is bad, they're going to blame him for even signing him. This is even my... though that everybody wanted, just like Julio Jones, yes, just like all these other guys that they that John Robinson signed. Th- if this you're is for my... it now, you got to make sure that you clarify oh. your statement. While I am for it, and it was a good re- a good process, bad result. That's how you got to look at it. There, there's bad process, bad result. Good process, good result. Good re- uh, process, bad result, and Bad process, good result. Yeah, no, I, got, I, I we know what you're saying. Uh, yeah. This is what like so. This brings up a lot of PTSD for me personally because on the air, there were a lot of people going into the season in 2019 with people saying like, you know, like I I, I don't know about Marcus's future. There's a lot of people saying that. I don't know about Marcus's future. Plenty of people saying that. Not one human being, unless you have a receipt to show me, was calling for Ryan Tannehill to start because he was going to have the best year of his career. Not one person saw that coming. Not one person said that. Not one person, like, not all of you changed your opinions mm-hmm. at the end of the season, not you specifically, but everyone, me included, 
oh, of course switching to Ryan Tannehill was the right decision at that point. Like that, he he gets hurt and he goes on to have a career year. But no one saw I that coming. Say, I believe I said that at some point Ryan Tannehill will start. And that's just based off Marcus always being injured. Was it because of Marcus being bad or anything? And it wasn't because I thought Ryan Tannehill was going to be some savior from the heavens, right. sit down and lead in it for a year and a half, one of the, some of the best scoring offenses that we've seen the Tennessee Titans hat. So yeah. I, I just, you know, I think I, what I agree with your overall point is that like nobody really thought Ryan Tannehill should start, except for maybe Mike Tannenbaum during that summer. I think he may have said it. <laughs> Maybe you're right. But uh, oh, yeah. I remember us like joking about, no, there's not a quarterback controversy. It's Marcus's yeah. job. And the, but the and facts there wasn't, were. There it, really right. wasn't a quarterback controversy right. or quarterback battle. Right. But there was a guy in the wings that if Marcus failed and he was given every opportunity to succeed, that they were going to put Ryan Tannehill in. Right. But uh, everybody else, I think, made it a quarterback competition in the national media, kind of like what they're talking about. Will Levis versus Ryan Tannehill when he first got drafted. Like there is no there is no controversy. It is Ryan Tannehill's job until he loses the job via poor play. Right. Thus eliminating the Titans from playoff contention and or injury. Yep. Uh, Again. I I have no problem saying I was wrong about mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill being as good as he was. My argument to people is, is that you were there's not one of you that was right about that. There's no. not one human being that has a receipt that says except for maybe Mike Tannenbaum, but 30 33 touchdowns, number one Titan scoring offense in NFL in league team history, like at 2000 yard rush. Like no one, if anyone has that tweet. Send it to me, and I will apologize to you. And listen, but no that one's was, got that. That was the summer that I. That was the summer that Diana Rossini really got on the radar, and she was really pushing this narrative that you know they like Ryan Tannehill, they like everything they've seen, and she was kind of on the on the edges of being in there. But everybody shed on her like, oh, what is this woman? And they this is how they said it. Oh, what does this woman know? Because they're all you know sexist here down the south. What does this woman know? And blah blah blah. And it turns out she's one of the best Titans insiders because she's right. plugged directly into the team. It's just yep. funny yep. how things end up five years yep. later. Yes. I think it's important for people in the media to look at themselves and just say, yeah, I was dead wrong about that. Yeah. Uh, fans don't have to do that. And that's okay. But when I tell you that you, you were wrong and that you were wrong with like me, Caleb Farley, right? I mean, I we wrong. were both glowing about yes. Caleb Farley when he got right. drafted and guess what? We ended up being wrong right? because for guess now. what? for now until year three starts. <laughs> For now, we are very wrong, uh, and there's a chance we'll probably be very wrong for another f- six months or so. And then, if he's any good in, in the following season, then we'll all be like, "Oh, it was it was he was a nice player when he's playing yeah. wide re- when he's playing wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans." <laughs> yeah, because uh, remember, he played wide receiver, great athlete, tall, rangy kid, played yep. wide receiver in college. Just throwing it out there, just throwing, throwing it out, out there. Uh, all right. Uh, so, if you're going to evaluate Rand Carthon right now, do so with caution, do so with n- nuance. And subtlety and understand that That's there's like a lie. there's a good yeah, I know. There's a good like 36 months to go before we truly judge it. And and unfortunately, whether we like it or not, it is almost exclusively tied to one human being. Yeah. It is almost exclusively tied to Will Levis. So well, um, and also if you're gonna evaluate Rank Carthon's job, you, you better damn well if you're going to come at me and say rand carthon sucks it needs to be rand carthon hyphen slash dash mike vrabel suck because they are in lockstep no who, doubt about it 
who who gets the first name and the hyphen? Is it Vrabel Carthon or is it Carthon Vrabel? I think it's Vrabel Dash Carthon. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you I think would it's have Ran Vrabel first. Yeah, it's Ran Vrabel Carthon. Is his yeah. name? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, no, I agree with you on that one. So quickly, let's let's look at. So the reason I wanted to bring up recruiting in the SEC, go to Sinkers. Remember the name, the Kingston Group. So the Florida Gators, you know, you and I have talked a lot about Billy Napier and Florida having a weird season this year and things aren't, hey, there's a lot of questions around this and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like, I find them the most interesting team in the SEC. They are. They are. Um, and one of the things that I've said a lot about Florida is that what Billy Napier is doing is building out this large scale infrastructure around the Florida Gators program within the Florida Gators program to succeed in the future, which is building out collectives building out NFL style personnel staffs, building out, you know, these big giant recruiting rooms and scouting departments. And, you know, again, it's infrastructure for your college football program. They just opened up an indoor practice facility, all this other stuff. And is he going to reap the benefits of that if the team doesn't succeed in the next two seasons? Well, right now, the Florida Gators are the hottest team in the entire country on the recruiting trail. They have landed eight or nine players, uh, most of whom are not from the state of Florida, by the way. Um, and that, but they're all very highly rated. They have the number three class in America and they have the number three rated quarterback in America coming in to the Florida Gators. They just, they just landed a bunch of top 100 kids this week. They're number one in the sec in recruiting right now. The question is, what does that mean? What does right? it mean? That's been my big thing about why I do not care about recruiting classes, right? Like, I don't know if Athlon does this. Maybe you guys do this and maybe I, or maybe some site does, but I would love to know where those recruiting, recruiting classes, those players recruited, what they ended up being throughout their career. So like that particular recruiting class for Alabama back in 2008. Okay. We're now, you know, four years later, 2012, I want that reevaluated. Like that to me is a better sign of success than just saying you got a bunch of guys in this recruiting class, but well, how many of them were actual contributors to you guys winning a couple of national championships? You get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's no different than it's the like Carthon. Yeah, it's kind of like it's no, it's no different than the Carthon discussion. Um, but the, it's it's recruiting's a little bit different in that sort of like the draft in the NFL, you are selling hope to like the teams that are shitty. And in college football recruiting, what a lot of fans have only to cling to, especially a program like Florida today, not Florida of like when they're great, but like Florida right now, is like, I need tangible evidence that what you're doing is working. You don't need them to actually sign in December. You don't even, because you can build momentum on this. You can, one thing but can lead to another. can't they still like transfer or sign with yeah, another team? Sure. That, that's the big thing sure. right now, right? Like sure. some some other NIL team come in so like how do you how do you cover that and compensate for that like okay right now you you said they got like what nine players from top 100 i believe is what you said or something like no, that they they, they 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 got committed like committed. eight players in the last week like gotcha. three or four of them are in the top 100 but almost gotcha. all of them are highly touted so so like if those guys next week decide they're not going to florida because they're getting paid more money to go to texas or something like how do you it's 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 like an ever-shifting yep thing in the ncaa now so like how does i this is just an interesting topic it's not really the topic or maybe it is how to follow recruiting classes it is but how do you do that like how do you do you have to have like a a dedicated web page or a a <laughs> dedicated like twitter thing that you keep up with like kind of like how to do the stats every week okay well here's right. where they're at in the right. recruiting classes these guys have exited 
you know, here's where they're at. Maybe do it monthly it's, or something. It's no different than like following a fantasy football player in like week four. Like you, you can be the you could be the number one running back in all of fantasy football in week four. But what matters is where you finish. But but the facts are, by at week four you were number one, right? Derek Derrick Henry could be the number one fantasy running back after five games. He could finish number six. But all that matters in the first five was that he was number one, like as a point of fact in that moment. It is just a it's like a poll for like politics or an, mm-hmm. or a, a social issue. Polls are just a reflection it's like of approval the, ratings. The, exactly what it is. They are a reflection of the current state. It's a capture, a glimpse in a moment of time. And that's it. It's nothing more. And to me, recruiting rankings are the capture of the glimpse of the moment in time. And right now, Florida is doing things that they haven't done in a long time, in a decade. And that is the, the fact right now today that could change in six months on signing day. But what we the facts of what we know about Florida is that we do know that they are building out all this infrastructure, spending all this money on all these things to make Florida better at recruiting. And right now they are significantly better at recruiting. So to me, that's the story in the moment. Do you think that buys Billy Napier time? Because we kind of talked about it like he. I think when we're kind of given our looking at the SEC schedule and stuff, you, I think you kind of alluded to it, or at least I, that's how I interpret it was like, he's building the team for the next coach. Like in your mind, he's building the team for the next coach, but don't you think that he, do you think that he gets, how much leeway does this excellent recruiting buy him? So I don't, I don't necessarily think that what I'm saying is that that's a possibility. Like if they don't, if they were, and this is exactly what, to me, this is what this story is. They are a six and six ish football team this year. Whether they recruit great or not, they're going to have the same exact record. Recruiting has no impact on the record, zero, zero impact. So if they're six and six or seven and five or five and seven, whatever it is, it's exactly the same. But it is far more palatable if you are the number four recruiting class in America than if you're number 18. And Florida's 18th in the nation, 20th in the nation, not good enough for Florida Gators recruiting. Not why they hired Billy Napier, not why they're spending all these, all this money on this infrastructure. This is not any different than Josh Heupel, like with his recruiting. The, the, the turnaround was great. People were excited. But the recruiting with the turnaround, even better. 11 wins, great, amazing. No question. Hendon Hooker, fantastic. Beat Alabama, all this fun stuff. But also, we were recruiting great, too. So it's just it's another piece of the puzzle for, for college football fans. But to me, if it's 6-6 six and six at Florida, and they finish fourth in recruiting, which is where they're at right now, roughly, to me, the six and six almost doesn't matter. Like gotcha. you, you knew the infrastructure. You knew you needed these other things first before the results were going to come. It's kind of like if Alabama goes like eleven and two, but they're out of the top ten in recruiting. Really doesn't matter. Kind of. I mean, yeah. I mean, like yeah. I, it, it, like A and M's. It's almost the opposite with A and M. Like they've like done all the recruiting. Twenty ninth, twenty ninth overall pick. You finished. You finished it. You lost the AFC championship game. But you're picking 20, but now you got a worse draft pick, but it doesn't really matter because you finished right. Like, I yeah, guess- well, it's the it's the it's the hope you are set. Like, there is proof of concept if they finish with the top five class. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the same thing with like we could do this with Auburn too, with Hugh Freeze. If Auburn is terrible again this year and they're 500 or they're five and seven or they're six and six, are people going to be like Auburn fans? Like, oh, it's year one, okay. But if they have a top 10 class with a six and six record, the six and six record goes down a little smoother. Like gotcha. it just, and, and so it's, it's like it's a all lime about, after a tequila shot. It is the expectation building that's happening because it, what Florida should be doing in theory, like they did under Urban Meyer 
is what is what Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State do, which is recruit top five classes. And if they do that, they then they're going to be better. Whether Billy Napier gets to coach him or not, they're going to be better because great players eventually win games most of the time. Yeah. So to me, it's just this cap. It's just this snapshot in time. It's like, but keep an eye on it because if it continues, then we're starting to see proof of concept for what Billy Napier is building at Florida. If that makes sense. Like that's yeah. that to me, that's why it's interesting. It's just a, it's a little moment. And then, you know, I'm, I'm more about like, don't, don't tell me about the baby show. Me, you know, don't tell me about the labor pain. Show me the baby. Like I, I don't care about recruiting really until they sign their letter. And to your point, even after that, they can go into the portal whenever they want. So it's a, there's a million more steps after the recruiting, right? It's development. It's, you know, coaching staff, it's, you know, off season conditioning, it's a million things. But like the first step is getting the good players. That's the very first step. And right now, Florida is getting the very good players for now. So are they, is Florida in the golden era of a golden age of football? Are they in their golden era? Is that an Al Golden joke, Jason? Is that what that is? Oh, like that's that's of... a that's a UT uh, oh, okay. fans and alumni in the in the local Nashville media who are like I think Will Bowling put out this tweet and he, listing all their accolades and all the tournaments they've been in and everything, <laughs> and calling it this the golden era of Tennessee sports, and it is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It is the equivalent of hanging up multiple participation trophies and banners like the Indianapolis Colts do. So I better not hear Will Bowling say, make fun of the Colts hanging up a banner. Cause I'm just going to take that tweet, Photoshop it on that banner and I'm going to send it to him. Here's what I, here's what I can say about that topic, which I did not know existed as a thing in this universe. Oh yeah. Um, the Tennessee, like when I was in college, they had won a national championship two years earlier in football. They won multiple national championships in women's basketball and they played in the college world series. When I was there, that was like 20 years ago, less than 20, yeah. uh, 20 years ago. I think so, Mike called that the, the actual golden era nine, of UT sports. 98 to 05. That, that and, is and he even brought up the uh, Director's Cup, which is another thing that can actually legit tell you. And they haven't been in the top 10. And they probably won't be in the top 10 again this year. So, like, it's just, I don't know. It's just the, Pat, these UT fans, man, they get a little bit of taste of success of football. And they think that they are for sure an 11 win team every year. National Championship in football, Pat Summit's heyday, and a Rod Del Monaco College World Series team. I don't know. I don't know how. What else? I don't know what today is better than that. I don't know. How, I don't know how it's even close. It's not even fucking close. Not even close. Yeah. Not even close. Uh, all right, Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group, two great local sponsors. We do appreciate you guys for supporting us. All of you for listening and hanging out with us. We do appreciate it. Uh, all the comments, rate, review, subscribe. By the way, brand new product. Uh, pod bless Nashville, all about Nashville news and history and politics and media and business. So go check that out. Brand new show. We launched uh, today actually. So go check that out. Uh, football and other efforts podcast with you and Mike Herndon. Uh, you got stacking the inbox.com, all kinds of great stuff, uh, still going on. We're not taking a break during the summer. We still have nutritional co content with no empty calories here on the show each and every Monday and Thursday at one o'clock live. We do appreciate it. Uh, all right. Anything else, Zach? Did I miss anything? We're good. I don't think I did. Uh, safe travels to you and the missus, of course. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.